Tchaikovsky to make it three! Scintillating football by the Chicago Fire! Finding Herbers, Fabian Herbers is in again, and Fabian Herbers has scored again! A man on fire! The moment you have all been waiting for, folks. We are back, Intercontinental Football Show. It is not an emergency pod, but it is in desperate need of an SNP, and that's exactly what we are bringing you here tonight. Sunday Night Pod is officially back. Arlo White is back from his vacation with his brother in Spain. We are already down a glass of vino. A-Dub coming off of a big <laughs> result against Brentford. The rope it from Thomas Frank did not work. Chelsea held on for dear life there at the top of the Premier League table. Arlo is back from Newcastle. A wild weekend for you, let alone a wild 12 hours over the course My of goodness. this day. Chicago Fire coming off of a great 2-2 draw against the best team in Major League Soccer. It's been a quiet weekend, and I, and I want to raise this this glass of, uh, of naughty water right here, a little bit of bourbon, to Arlo's fallen glass of vino. We are already yeah. down a drink. Yeah, well, it's not mean, because he drank it, but it's because he spilled it. A-Dub, raise whatever you have, my friend. That uh, looks Arlo, too healthy, rest, A-Dub. Rest you can't see what it is. It's like this sort of, you know, this is cup thing with a straw coming out. Could be it's, water. It's a frozen, co- it's a frozen Cosmo. He, he just doesn't want anybody to know. <laughs> it is vodka lemonade. It is vodka lemonade. I am here for the SNP. I am in full force, ready to go. Good man. Good man. Uh, Tyler, uh, A-Dub, as you know, has been badgering me for weeks about getting an Ethernet cable, right? So I bought yep. one that's about half a mile long just so I could <laughs> I could go to various rooms in the palatial rental property that I'm living in. And uh, that's that's a joke, by the way. And um, I, I just <laughs> had to move it just before we came on air. And the, the first glass of chilled New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc that I poured mm. this evening cascaded across the desk, uh, taken by the wire, and now the entire wall is plastered in in white wine. So um, I'm mourning both the wall, although I can paint over it, but also the fallen glass of wine. So, uh, AKA, AKA the Edouard Mendy, the, the wall. The, the, the wall. The, the wall. wall. So the rather wall. than do a minute silence, let's do a, uh, five seconds of applause for the fallen glass of wine. Fallen glass of wine. It served as well. Oh, nice bourbon downing there, Tyler. Good, good job for the SNP. Just a, just a little, yeah, just a little, just a little half a shot. You know, just a, something to get the creative juices flowing. Good, on good. this Sunday night. I'll tell you what, temperatures starting to drop a little bit here in the Windy City. About 10, 10, 15 degrees from from what we experienced this week. So, got to find a way to stay warm. Whether it's bourbon, whether it's a significant other, however, or maybe it's just the Sunday night pot. But we have so much to get into. I don't even know if we have time for enough banter because Arlo. Whether it was between Mohamed Salah establishing himself as as one of the top three players in the world right now, despite Andrew Williams' just blasphemous tweets, whether it's Newcastle, their new owners, their fixture today, a fan who you know needed to basically be saved in real time. There is so much to get to. Um, so why don't we start what you're coming off of right now, which was just an, an incredible experience, at least from a commentator's standpoint, just with Newcastle, everything going on with the new ownership, yeah. what happened in the middle of the game, the result, everything. So, so why don't you just start? Because this was a this, uh, this is sure a night, a night that you're never going to forget. I I don't think I will forget today in any hurry. Um, and I didn't think I would do heading up to Newcastle today either. This is such a strange and conflicting situation 
um, as a football commentator. And now we are journalists, Tyler, in our, in our jobs as well. You know, we we are there to to reflect stories and to report what we see and what we find out. I don't tend to opine too much when I'm commentating. That's not necessarily uh, the, the 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 role that I see my job as. When it comes to the football, my job is to get the best out of yours, is to get the best out of Tony Miola. Mine is to get the best out of Lee, Dixon, Graham, Lasso, and today uh, a, a good pal of mine. The other two are, are great pals, of course, as well. But Stephen Warnock, um, the former England, Liverpool, Aston Villa fullback who was on the call today. Um, but there are certain times where you have to, or you find yourself in, in, in a situation that is that is almost surreal. So... The Saudi-backed PIF, the Private Investment Fund, have been cleared by the Premier League. They've they've passed the, the director's test and they've taken over Newcastle United Football Club for a fee in the region of £304 million. So what's that? £400 or so million, I guess, which to me is a, is a relative bargain for a, for a club that size that get 52,000 fans every week and the stadium is fabulous. And especially, and and especially considering the, the entry fee for an MLS club right now and, and what it takes to be able to buy a club in, right. in Major League Quite Soccer. Right. So Absolutely. Just, for a, just, for a, just for a bar. For a, re- for a reference point, that, that's, yeah. that's, um, that's a great example. Um, so they've got their entry into, into the Premier League, and this has been mooted since April of 2020. There's been lots of debate about it. The Premier League wrote to Newcastle United um, last year saying there is no evidence that the, the private investment fund, which has been founded by the Kingdom of, of Saudi Arabia, the chairman is the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, who is the de facto leader of, of Saudi Arabia, there was no evidence last year that there was any separation and any distinction between the entity of the government and the entity that is the private sovereign wealth fund that is taking over Newcastle United. So, so both parties went away. Mike, Mike Ashley, I guess, bided his time. You know, lawyers were, I'm sure, paid vast amounts of money, and they come back to the table. And the the Premier League, and we spoke to them this week. The Premier League base. There, it's not a fit and proper person test. That's the football league, but this is a director's test, and they base it on the entity of PIF, the entity that is taking over the football club. Now, they were given legally legally binding assurances that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia and the Saudi Arabian government will not have any say in the running of Newcastle United. Now, you can argue this until the cows come home. Of course, there appears to be a conflict of interest here. Of course, the tentacles of both organisations appear to be linked inherently Mm. uh, with the fund and with the Saudi Arabian government. But what do the Premier League do? It's unlawful to block this on the basis of anything other than, than it breaking their their rules and it didn't break yeah. the rules but clearly there are ethical issues at play in terms of the human rights record in Saudi Arabia uh, the the treatment of gay people in South, Saudi Arabia in which they, they there is no law there's no support for anybody lbgt uh, in in Saudi Arabia women's rights other religious rights they are discriminated against in law in Saudi Arabia. 
So for for ev- for everybody, for everybody that is that is, I, I don't I don't think you even have to be liberal to to look at this. No, just 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 this human, is just entirely, human. yeah, entirely problematic. But here we are, and the and the the sale has been approved. Um, so it was strange to turn up to Newcastle today. Now, when you look at Newcastle United. This is a team that is that is or a club that is referred to as a sleeping giant. And and that mm-hmm. they probably are because of the size of the city, the size of the of the fan base. It's a one club city, the cathedral on the hill which is St James's Park that that houses 52,000 people that craves and lives and breathes football and loves its magpies. It it is it is a wonderful story. When Newcastle are doing well, it's absolutely intoxicated. It's one of the loudest yeah. stadiums it ever was. It's great to be for in. the Premier League when, when they Amazing. are good. It is fantastic. Amazing. Yep. In the nineties under Kevin Keegan, they were absolutely sensational, but they didn't win anything. So in terms of being a sleeping giant, yes, in terms of being, you know, a team that needs to be returned to former glories, well, the former glories were in the nineteen twenties, Tyler. They haven't won a major trophy since the Fairs Cup in 1969. So we're talking 52 years. The Fairs Cup was the precursor to the UEFA Cup, which is now the Europa League. They haven't won a domestic trophy for 66 years, the FA Cup, and they haven't won the English title. The last of their four titles was 95 years ago. Mm. So they might be a sleeping giant in terms of the size of the club. They are not absolutely not being returned to the glory that they, they've experienced in any time during the last two, three, four, five generations. I love Newcastle. I love the city. I love the Geordies. I love the humour. I love everything about them. But let's get this straight. These are This has not been a successful football club for yes. a lot of years. So today yeah. was quite a conflicting, quite a confusing, quite a challenging experience. Because Newcastle is right up in the northeast of England. It's almost near Scotland. So it's as far away from the liberal London elite and the media hub as you can possibly imagine in this country. And they feel left out a little bit. They feel like an outpost. They feel like they they have their own identity as people and they're defiant. And when somebody comes in and you're going to tell, you know, a Geordie who's maybe lost his job, who maybe during social security and maybe just lives and breathes his football club, that you're now the richest football club in the world and you're going to tell them not to be excited. That's a problem because they go absolutely bonkers. And they will say, yep. well, hold on a minute. Look at Uber. They've got the, they've got PIF. They've, they've, they've invested in Uber. They've invested in Starbucks. They've invested in the Disney Corporation. <laughs> the difference is they don't own those entities. They've only, they're only... Yeah majority of minority shareholders in those entities. Mm-hmm. It's so complex, Tyler. I have a massive headache trying to get my head and have done yeah. for the last two weeks, trying to ethically get my head around everything. Because as a football commentator, I'm not going to turn up to a game and go, I denounce the regime of Saudi Arabia and I hereby slam my microphone down and I refuse to commentate. My job is as a football commentator primarily, but I'm also a journalist. So I have to commentate on the on or report on what I see in front of me, also commentating on a game and whilst trying to blend in some idea of context about what's going on here. Yeah. The place was bouncing. There were mm. people honestly with tea towels around their heads to look like shakes 
all yep. of the fancy <laughs> dress shops in Newcastle, as I suspected they would be. I said to a friend during the week, they will double down. The Geordies will double down on this, and they will they will come dressed as Saudi sheikhs. And all yep. the fancy dress companies had sold out of, of Sheikh you all that sort of stuff, right? <laughs> and I and I understand it because Mike Ashley's ownership of that football club for 14 years was so soul sucking as mm. to be almost they don't enjoy football. And if you tell a Geordie and you describe a Geordie as not enjoying football anymore, it is it is bursting the spell of football. It's, yeah, itself. it's almost it's like not killing, enjoying life. Yeah. It's, it's killing Bambi. You know, it's just one of those things where if if a if a if a Geordie doesn't enjoy watching Newcastle United or enjoy the the process of what it is to be a fan, there's something wrong. So I again I'm trying I'm thinking about it for the last couple of days. I absolutely Accept Newcastle fans celebrating the end of the Mike Ashley era after 14 years. Totally. I draw the line at wearing Mohammed Bill Salman masks dancing around outside of St. James's Park as they were the day that the takeover mm-hmm. was announced. I think that is in bad taste. One or two did it probably in sort of faux defiance. And yeah, like sort of a little bit of satirical self-parody. in a way. Yeah, yeah satirical. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good word. Good word. But at the same time, at the same time, I think Newcastle fans are allowed to be excited. But yeah. I don't think enough Newcastle fans are questioning what's going on. So I would cat- categorise Newcastle fans as the blindly euphoric who are, I don't care, whatever is happening, human rights-wise, yeah. um, the murder of, of Khashoggi, um, um, gay rights, uh, the subjugation of women, and and the the war in Yemen. I'm, I'm not going to get into the war situation because you know who are we to say that in in this part of the world? But mm-hmm. they don't care because it's happening over there. They're investing in my football club, and we could go and you know win the league or win the FA Cup and get into the Champions League. Those are the fans that I probably disagree with. There are some fans who are massively excited because Ashley's gone. And the club has money now to compete again, but they mm-hmm. are conflicted because of where this money is coming from. And I, I identify very much yes, with, I, with I, I think people. I'm I think I'm in that category as well. Yeah, I, I think that everything you said is is spot on. And I just think that conflicting and sort of not knowing what to make of the situation, right? And I think that there are a lot of Newcastle fans and they're sort of experiencing the you know, the devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't know type of situation. Because like you said, Mike Ashley running this team has been a complete and utter disaster and has been, you know, abysmal for Newcastle fans for the past 14 years. But now you get, you know, these these owners taking over and basically an entire country. It's not an individual, but rather Saudi Arabia as, as a whole, despite, you know, what is going to be exactly on the balance sheet and what you see on Wikipedia, you know, in terms of who actually owns the team. Mm. But Adab, I'm not sure what you felt. I, I think that you know, watching it, it was an it was an eerie feeling. The the energy coming through the TV and the energy of the crowd was unmistakable. So it was hard not to sort of get excited. Just as an impartial football fan who's not a fan of the club but just enjoys the beautiful game and enjoys the Premier League, you're sort of like, okay, like this is a market and this is a team and this is a group that you know really hasn't been uh, in, in a conversation in terms of competitive football in terms of you know finances for for decades. But this is exciting. But at the same time, you know behind the curtain, behind the facade, behind what the Premier League have actually signed off on, it, there's something ugly behind there. Um, and and I think, 
like you said, Arlo, it, it was a it was a reserved excitement and sort of a reserved, um, you know, not optimism, but sort of mm-hmm. like anticipation of what the future is going to hold. And listen, and I think that at your difficult job as a commentator, Arlo, is that like the Premier League and and the powers that be cleared this sale and cleared this exactly. purchase. So yeah, so who so who are we to then basically, like you said, throw down our mics, throw down our fanhood, and say I'm not watching Premier League, I'm not watching mm. Newcastle, you know, as long as these guys are in charge because. Life is about loopholes, especially when you're talking about that much money. And clearly, there was some there were some that were jumped through. But uh, for me, you know, I'm I'm in that boat. You know, it's sort of like I'm questioning exactly who who's behind this and and what they stand for and everything like that. But for Newcastle fans, I'm sure it's a it's a sense of out of sight, out of mind. You know, like yes, while these people might be in our stadium right now and they're in the tune, you know, what's going on and and this sort of you know. Mm dehumanization of, of homosexuals and on all of this nonsense that's going on is thousands of miles away. So who are we to sort of care about it type of deal? But mm. A-Dub, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how you felt about it. I just think as a somebody that's probably a Newcastle fan, your mindset is that your team is not in limbo anymore. So that's something to be very excited about. There's a future. That's something to be very excited about. And then once everything comes down, the dark side will come mm. out eventually. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. I think Newcastle, much like, you know, Leeds United last season, Newcastle have always been, you know, on the radar as as people's second team. Not everybody's second team, but you kind of yeah. don't dislike Newcastle United because, yeah. you know, particularly if you're old enough to remember the 90s and the exhilarating football, David Ginola, Alan Shearer, you know, Les Ferdinand, Tino Aspria. These players mm-hmm. were magnificent. They came so close to winning the title. Unfortunately, in the end, they bottled it, sadly, under Kevin Keegan and, and Sir Alex Ferguson's games got the better of him and the better of Newcastle United and, and they lost the title. I don't think they're going to be many people's second team going forward. May I just say as well, just before the end of the first half, you know, if the day wasn't strange enough as it was, you had fans in the Gallagher end, the famous Gallagher end, on their feet, sort of waving, waving furiously. And I'm thinking, well, what, what's going on at this corner that Hyun Min Song was about to take? Um, is there some sort of you know foul play going on? And then all of a sudden the players and and Sergio Reguilon ran over to the referee, pointing to the stand. Then you look across yeah. at the east stand, and the, and there's there's fans waving t-shirts in the air. And sadly, a young man, thirty years old, had a cardiac arrest, a serious life threatening situation, and the mm. game was halted for twenty minutes, and a hush fell over the stadium. And and the man and thank thanks to the proliferation of defibrillators around uh, around the football ground and also the skill of the medics um, in St. James's Park. Um, he was revived and he is in now, as of when we speak, which is uh, 11.54pm UK time on Sunday night, he is in a stable condition. So, you know, we had to, the players went off, they came out, played the final seven minutes of the first half, then we had half time, then the second half. Um, so that um, is is wonderful, that wonderful news. But it, but it, it just added, I suppose, that entire situation to what was a, a very strange, sometimes uplifting, sometimes worrying, um, day in Newcastle, and and I hope mm. that every every trip to St James's Park from from now on is less eventful. So looking back at Saturday, Tyler, I mean, I was on the, the gantry at the Community Stadium in Brentford ahead of A-Dub's Chelsea's narrow victory over the Bees, which mm. we'll get to uh, in a second. <laughs> um, 
Listen, so I was going crazy watching the, 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 the end of this game and we were on the WhatsApp, the three of us, uh, talking about the Foxes against Manchester United. It was it was 2-1 to Leicester, then, then Rashford scores and then immediately uh, Jamie Vardy scores a fantastic finish and then at the end, Paxson Dacca makes it four goals to two. So for me as a Leicester fan, I look at, I look at the game through that prism and I'm thinking, wow, we're back. You know, it, it's been such a yeah. terrible start to the well. But by recent standards, a terrible start to yes, the season. Yep. <laughs> you know, let's not get carried away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great performance. But Manchester United, for me, it was alarming, Tyler, how poor they were in midfield, in attack, and mostly in defence. When you watched mm. that game, what did you feel about Manchester United and the future of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager of that team? So I think that you you brought up a really good point there that like you're watching it through the prism of a, of a Leicester fan, obviously, and you're saying great result. We got we got a four two win against United. We're back. We're finally you know going to be able to to crack on. I'm looking at it as simply a neutral observer. I'm rooting for a good game of football. I'm rooting for chaos, and that's exactly what ensued in the second half. You know, you get an equalizer from Rashford. Vardy comes down on the other end off the half volley, scores a great goal, and then Daka you know gets the gets the game sealer, but. Then you take a step back and you're saying, this is Manchester United and they just, you know, spent a lot of money in this offseason. And you bring in Cristiano Ronaldo and Ole's been under the gun and you're thinking to yourself, it might be time. It might be time because unlike some of the other issues that they've had in the past, whether it be breaking down a low block, whether it be not having somebody in the middle of the field to compliment Bogba and that sort of, you know, true ball winner that you're looking for. There were issues all over the field. There were sloppy passes from your boy Harry Maguire. There was sloppy play from David De Gea, Aaron Wambasaka, all over the place. Not sure whether to step, not sure whether to stay, and to sort of jockey. I, it was, there were just problems all over the field. And listen, Ole is happy-go-lucky, everybody's favorite guy. But at the end of the day, you know this is a business. The coach is always the first to go, and if the players start to lose in, the players start to lose their focus and their sharpness. Ole's going to Ole's going to be gone and I think that now it is time because as we've talked about before this is a Manchester United group that is built to win now and they are in a rough spot now and Ole had question marks coming into this season I know that there were some good results at the beginning you know you had the young boys incident then you come back and you have that you know a couple of you know late great Ronaldo moments but at the end of the day this is simply these are not good performances for Manchester United while some of the results might may have come and you've had some heroics from from your golden boy and Cristiano Ronaldo the the performances are poor this is not a Manchester United group Sir Alex Ferguson basically threw Ole under the bus you know going into the international break saying you play your best players he didn't play Cristiano Ronaldo he didn't play Paul Pogba and he gets caught on, you know, video. I, I don't know who took that video. Obviously, you shouldn't be doing that in the VIP section when you have one of the best fighters in the world and the greatest coach in the history of the Premier League there. I, I don't know why that's going on, but it was caught. And I think that there's enough. You basically have your smoking gun now to basically say, Ole, this has been great. You've you've done so much for the club that you gave to as a player. You've brought it to, to this point. But if we're going to compete with the big boys and we need somebody in here who's going to, you know, sort of be able to change this team a little bit tactically. But I, I, I think that it's done. I think that now is the time before it gets too late. I think there's a phrase in English football where a manager, you can say, has taken a club or a team as far as he can in with his skill set. As a manager, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for Manchester United over the last couple of seasons, three seasons, has been absolutely fantastic. He has, he has kind of reinstilled the identity for the football club, the pride in the football club, and a direction 
for the football club. And that's what but he was now, brought in to do. Exactly. Yeah, as a former player exactly. and somebody who wears the wears the crest it. on his heart. Yeah, he gets, gets it. it. DNA, you know, we attack, we attack, we attack. This is what we're all about. Um, but tactically, when you see Thomas Tuchel doing his thing, when you see Pep Guardiola, when you see Jurgen Klopp doing his thing, you know, even, you know, to a, to a degree, Brendan Rodgers doing his thing. Oli is not that guy. And there's only so far that he can take a group of players the like of which he has at his disposal. Now is the time. I really genuinely think now is the time. I would hate mm-hmm. to see Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, an honourable man, a lovely man, a tremendous guy, a guy with integrity, with honour, with good humour, with, with intelligence. I'd hate to see him harangued out of Manchester yeah, yep. United, you know, and these days you don't step aside because you miss your payoff and, and, and all that. So, so, but Man United won't do that anyway. They will handle this situation with care. By the way, Newcastle United are, are on the lookout for a new manager. Maybe they get, they appoint one on Monday morning. Maybe by the time people listen to this pod, Newcastle yeah. have swooped in, they, they've sacked uh, Steve Bruce and they, and they've got a new manager. But United really need to think about this because a lot of teams now, a lot of clubs are looking, you know, potentially for the next great manager. Antonio Conte is on the market. He's the he's the obvious one who's on the market. Yeah. Brendan Rodgers, I don't think would, and he said himself, he wouldn't take the Newcastle job right now. I don't think he'd turn down the Manchester United job. Nobody no, turns down the Manchester United job. You can't, you can't, you can't. Look at the results. So they lose 2-1 at Young Boys. They win at Manchester at West Ham 2-1, but it took the last kick of the game when Noble came on and a penalty save. They lose at yeah. home to West Ham in the League Cup. They lose at home to Aston Villa in the Premier League. They narrowly beat Villarreal with a terrible performance, but a late, fantastic Ronaldo goal. Draw at home to Everton, lose 4-2 at Leicester. The rot has set in. United are the, not playing well. And I think that the biggest problem is four goals that you're conceding for the amount of money that you spent on that back line between Rafael Varane and and Harry Maguire. I know that Lindelof was playing, but at the end of the day, four goals, mm. four goals. And and, and it could have been more, Tyler. It could have been it more. Easily could, it easily could have been more. There were just holes all over the field for them. There the lack of engagement in midfield yeah, was, was alarming. Was, you know, it's it, not it, there was nobody. It's, no, yeah. no, no. There, 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 there is not... There is not a player in that team that will grab the midfield by the scruff of the neck, a Roy Keane, for example, and drive yeah. that team forward. All scores. There's, there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there is no discernible plan. There's a great amount of individuals playing individually, not cohesively as a team. And as a, again, I've got the most respect possible for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but if Manchester United are going to be a serious title contender, which they are not this season, then they might need to move on. For the Premier League, Tyler, it's fantastic news because it yeah. means that, you know, the first three or four weeks of the season, we're thinking, oh, look, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great title race between between maybe Man United, certainly Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool. All of a sudden, you can reduce that to three. Man United are not winning the title this year. Yeah, <laughs> is that a big statement to make that maybe could blow up on me? You know, in, a, in eight months time, I, I doubt it. Takes, yeah. I don't think it, I, don't, I think it's a lukewarm <laughs> take, right? So, but also they're they're so at the moment they're so average that it opens up fourth place. So, and there are so many clubs, so many clubs who are going to try and take that fourth place off them, and that for the Premier League this season is great news because 
Is it a Brighton? Is it a West Ham? Is it an Everton? Is it a Wolves? Is it a Spurs? Is it a Leicester? Is it a Brentford? Is it, a Villa? Is it a Brentford? You know, that story to fill they're that gonna, They're going to rue... Brentford, Brentford are going to rue their their loss to their to their noisy neighbors and that upset that they for, from the and they battered. The I mean, you got battered, didn't you, Adam? You were battered, battered. weren't you? Battered. Last half an hour, battered. It was an amazing, an amazing sixty minutes, and then after that, it was a sweaty thirty minutes, a real sweaty. It was a squeaky bum half. An it was hour. a double shower Saturday. What was the rope dope fight between Ali and Fraser? Was it was it the, the rumble in the jungle? I can't remember. But Thomas Frank yes, did the it was. classic yeah. rope dope. We can't go toe to toe for sixty minutes, uh, ninety minutes. What we'll do is keep it manageable for about. And you 60 said that minutes. around. And you said that around yeah. the sixty minute mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're throw, we, but then we're coming off the we're coming off the ropes and we're throwing punches. And Edward Mendy was absolutely sensational. Build the statue now, taking shots off the face. I mean, that guy was just <laughs> hanging on for dear life. Oh my god! All right, let's move on to. The greatest club in the world right now, with the greatest footballer in the world right now. Brentford. No, I am not talking about oh. Brentford and Ivan Tony. I am talking about Liverpool Football Club. I'm talking about Mohamed Salah. I'm talking about a 5-0 win over Watford. Arlo, I know you didn't see the game. But if I could describe it to you briefly, um, you think of, uh, think of Tchaikovsky. You think of, you think of Mozart. You think of Rembrandt. You you think wow, that, of just that, that bourbon's kicking in. It it is, but at the same time, I'm just keeping it. I'm just keeping it so real right now. I can just hear C Senor playing in oh. the back of my head, oh, playing yeah, in my no, dreams. I mean, yeah. this was a work of art, and to quote the great Peter Drury, playing football on a different planet right now compared to Watford. Danny Rose, my goodness. He does not belong in the Premier League anymore after what happened to him against Liverpool. 5-0 win, Roberto Firmino with the hat-trick. Sadio Mane gets his 100th goal in the Premier League. Mohamed Salah with arguably outdoing himself from the goal that we saw against Manchester City. Obviously, no. against much better competition against City. Arlo says no, it's not a better goal. I I don't know. I don't know. This man, Mohamed Salah, he is the Egyptian king. He is the Premier League king at the moment. He has tied Didier Drogba for the all-time leading goal scorer in the Premier League from, from Africa. This team right now deserves to be atop the table. Chelsea are imposters. We deserve to be atop the table. But this was a game in which Liverpool dominated from start to finish. They get their first goal in the eighth minute, and they just simply never looked back. Watford didn't get their first shot on target until the 55th minute, and there was a standing ovation when the ball, when the ball falls into the hands of Kelleher. And it, wasn't even, it wasn't even a dangerous shot on goal. But this was a, a class performance from start to finish from Liverpool. I, I think we played the three different right backs that, you know, throughout the course of the game. Nico Williams comes on and assists Roberto Firmino for his third goal. Firmino is now knocking on the door of his 100th. So now you're talking about Salah, Firmino, and Sadio Mane all reaching 100 goals in the Premier League basically within four years. Mm. It is truly astonishing. And I would like to go on record and say right now that my Liverpool football club are the front runners for the Premier League right now. Oh wow. Zero yep. zero zero nine and forty three seconds on Monday morning. <laughs> it is now ticked over to October the eighteenth in the UK. And you're saying that Liverpool are you said front runners, does that mean favourites in your eyes? Favourites, yes. Yes. Right. Okay. I love yes. it. I love it. I love it, Tyler. And why not? You know, there's 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 something that worries me, by the way, about Adub's Chelsea. Firstly, mm. that you said um that they were imposters. 
and Adub couldn't look at you in the eyes on our <laughs> Zoom call. He, he, he sort of, it, it wasn't defiant. The body language was strange from Adub. It was almost I like. I think he knows uh, it to be true. He well, knows it to be true. I think he knows they're top four. Adub, you know you're top four, but are top you less two. confident about winning? Two. Well, even top two. Well, I mean, Man City, but uh, are you are you as confident about the title as perhaps we yeah. made you? And I was all about Chelsea. Uh, after was the I was three or four weeks. Yeah. Yep. Adub, Adub, take the floor. Arlo, it's very simple. Liverpool beat relegation type <laughs> teams, and that is it. They played Norwich. We're not going to give them any credit here. They haven't beaten anybody good yet. They tied Brentford 3-3. Chelsea just beat Brentford 1-0. They tied Manchester beat, City 2-2. Beat Brentford. 2-2. That's, that is, that is a, that's, a, that's a ridiculous accusation to say you beat Brentford. You held on for dear life as they just sucker three punched points. you. Three points is three points. And all I can say is you tied Chelsea when you had an extra man playing it towards the cop side. And you come guys on. played 10 and guys so, inside so, of the penalty so, area. 10 to 10 so players inside of the penalty area. Adub, I've misread your body language. Is that what you're saying? I, I give nothing to Liverpool fans. It's They're a pretenders. Quiet, they haven't oh, played heard anybody, Arlo. They've played right. nobody yet. I do the want to give time, hold on a second. By the way, just one second, Tyler. The next time you oh, yeah. say Norwich, Adub, yes, you are I've, banned for two yes, podcasts. Good. I love it. <laughs> Norwich, mate. Norwich. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, Tyler. Yellow yellow card accumulation. I want to give um I want to give my my podcast and crime partner here, Arlo White, his due because he did say about two weeks ago on episode number 15 of the Intercontinental Football Show that Mohamed Salah was one of the best players in the world. He is utterly and completely adored. I would have him in the top three footballers on the planet right now. Now, everybody's on the bandwagon, Tyler. Everyone's mm-hmm. on the bandwagon. So I said that you know, he's not on the, the Manchester City game. Go on. No, he's not on the bandwagon. And he and he claims that this was a satirical, <laughs> sarcastic tweet was Andrew Williams. He tweeted no. that how is Mohamed Salah, you know, one of the top one of the best footballers in the world right now? And then he was like, let me rattle off some footballers who are who are in better form than Mohamed Salah right now. Kevin De Bruyne, Ingolo Kante, Kareem Benzema, Robert Lewandowski. And then I we get on we get on before we we start recording, and he goes, Oh, you fell for it. You fell for it. It's it's so easy to wind up Liverpool fans. I was just joking. And I was like, I don't know whether you were joking or now you're just doubling down on it and, you just, and you're just going back on what you said. Mohamed Salah Blast and Kevin De Bruyne are two players surplus to requirements at Chelsea Football Club. Who, and they sold them and look what they've become. Look, I love it. <laughs> Mo Salah, and I said this after the Manchester City game, and, and you know there was a little bit of guffawing on the other side of the Atlantic from you two. It is the Intercontinental Football yeah. Show after all. But... Now people are saying every post-match interview with Jurgen Klopp was, is he the best player in the world at the moment? Is he the best player in the world at the moment? Jamie, I think it was all kind of sparked off by Jamie Carragher writing an article for the Daily Telegraph on Saturday morning mm-hmm. that, that stated that right now, and we're not saying, you know, generally over the course of the history of football, Orm, but yes. right now, right now in the form that he's in, Mohamed Salah is the best player in world football. And that's, I mean, I put him in the top three. I did him a disservice two weeks ago. I think the goal, the goal against Man City was better only because, and by the way, it can keep scoring these goals and we can keep having these debates. There's no one better than the other. They're just wonderful to watch. But if you're going to have to pick one, I'd say Man City because of the degree of difficulty of the defence that he was facing, the enormity of the game and the fact that it was, the, the angle was narrow and it was his so-called wrong foot. 
Now, mm. you know, he, he had Watford defenders who were nowhere near as good as Manchester City defenders sliding all over the place, you know, but still the, the, the technique and the skill was extraordinary and the finish was amazing. The game was already won. I think the Man City goal will, will remain in my memory for the rest of my life. Mo Salah, and there's talk of a, of a contract for half a million pounds a week, um, which I think is what, six fifty, six hundred fifty thousand dollars per week. You know, I mean, we're talking for fifty-two weeks of the year here. We're not talking, you know, just during a short <laughs> yeah. NFL season. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of money. But I think that Mo Salah is a sort of character that if he signed a deal, which, which, in current football, he is worth it. Now, I, you know, we get into these debates about, you know, he's earning that. Nurses earn this. People that do, you know, important jobs in the world earn this. But he's in the entertainment industry, which generates vast amounts of money, and mm-hmm. he's one of the best in in that field. So, fine, if that's what he's worth, that's what he's worth because somebody says he is. So, good luck to him. I don't think there will be a one percent drop off in his drive, determination, enthusiasm, smile on his face, and the quality that he turns in. Every training session, every football match that he plays, Mo Salah will will commit his future to Liverpool. And I think I'm starting to think you might be right. These are this is a football team that is very capable this season of winning the title. All right, Liverpool, as you said, Arlo, we're just we're just knocking on the door of greatness, and we will see how the rest of the season unfolds. But let's get into some Chicago fire. Shall we? And before we dive into the just electric 2-2 draw at Gillette Stadium, the home of the New England Patriots and the New England Revolution, I think that we should uh, let the fans know we've been teasing it for a couple of weeks now. They've been on the edge of their seats. It has been squeaky bum two weeks on the Intercontinental Football (laughs) Show, but the time has finally arrived for potentially our biggest giveaway yet. I, I mean, we're 17 episodes deep now, but this is big stuff. Final home game of the year, October 23rd. Real Salt Lake coming to town. They're in fifth place in the Western Conference right now. They're sort of, you know, hovering around the the cutoff line, seventh place, you know, top seven teams from each conference get in. Going to be an electric game, final home game of the season, you know, final four games of the year. This is the last home game at Soldier Field. So what we are going to do, fan appreciation night, and the first 10,000 through the gates get a new crest hat, and they get a new crest flag. So obviously, By you want way, to show my, up early. My swag, my new swag's on its way. Uh, apparently, it it's been posted. Way, huh? I can't wait. I just can't oh, wait to get those hats God. and those t-shirts on. They're so good. They are so good. So, with that in mind, we are going to give away eight tickets. Eight. Lucas Stoyanovic. Eight tickets. Two. October twenty third against Real Salt Lake. We're going to have four different winners. Each winner will get two tickets, obviously, and they're going to be pitch side bar stool seat so now you're probably sitting in your car sitting at work pretending to do work but listening to the intercontinental football show saying tyler and arlo how on earth do i win these tickets it's simple just take a screenshot of yourself liking following subscribing to the intercontinental football show post it underneath the chicago fire fc tweet with this episode or you can send it to us at ifs at chicagofirefc.com and you can enter your chance to win a front row seat to the chicago fire trying to take down real salt lake in their mission to try to qualify for the 2021 audi mls cup playoffs it is going to be an amazing night at soldier field hopefully the weather is going to hold up but this is a terrific opportunity remember screenshot you liking following subscribing to the pod 
underneath the Chicago Fire FC tweet with this episode. You basically have until Wednesday morning. We're going to announce the winners Wednesday on the Chicago Fire FC Twitter account, and we're going to announce it on the pod that Thursday as well. So that's how you can win. Arlo White, how are we feeling? Can you go down our- pitch side and meet them as well and take Tony Miola with you? Can you add a bit of spice Ooh. to this already magnificent prize? Wow, wow. Well, okay, we, we can. We can and we will. If you get there on the earlier side, let's call it 6 o'clock. You know, Tony and I, once we get to, you know, 6.20, 6.30, we start to get in our mode. We're recording billboards. We're getting into the open, you know, you know the whole enchilada. Tony and I will meet you down on the field level. And I know nobody really wants to meet me, but you can meet the U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, Tony Miola. Six o'clock, we will be down there and greeting you and talking to you all things football. Um, and maybe even Tony will take a picture with you, but it depends on how his hair looks uh, on the day. But A-Dub, you know better than I do. <laughs> usually but, usually you know, magnificent. You, a tip, I mean, that, that thick Italian hair uh, that yeah. one would kill for. Kill lush. For. Some would say lush. He doesn't Fat, know how good he doesn't know how good he has on the top of his head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Great prize. Great prize. Come on, everybody. Get yourself, get your get your entries in. What a fantastic experience. And the last time to see the fire at Soldier Field before next season. Next season is going to be very different. It's going to be the new crest. You know, it's going to be a, a new players. It's going to be an exciting new dawn for the club. But here's an opportunity to see live soccer on a professional level for the last time this season. Get those and- entries in. Get those entries in. And speaking of new, Arlo, so the so the beer that I'm sipping on right now is a is a revolution brewing Pilsner. Now you might just be saying to yourself, well, that's just another, you know, Chicago made beer. But Chicago have just officially partnered with Revolution Brewing and early 2022, they're going to release the hazy pitch beer from Revolution, Chicago Zone. And it is going to be absolutely sensational. My mouth is watering just thinking about it. Tony and I are going to be on the call. We're going to have a, an opportunity for a tasting at a watch party before a game. There's more information on ChicagoFireFC.com as to where you can get this tasting. But, I mean, what a partnership. You know, you think about Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. <laughs> Chicago Fire and Revolution Brewing. I mean, that's, a ma- that's a match, right a up match there. made in heaven. I'm looking oh. forward to the uh, the the Chicago Fire Sauvignon Blanc. That's what I've ordered, <laughs> and that's what I demand. You're drinking. You're drinking the Elliot Collier. That's the, you're drinking the Elliot <laughs> yeah, Collier yeah, Sauvignon Blanc. It, the Kiwi. Know, all those yeah. great, all those great, <laughs> you know, vineyards around in the greater Illinois area yes. to produce a Chicago Fire Sauvignon Blanc. Listen, last night we're talking Saturday night. The Chicago Fire mm-hmm. went to the New England Revolution, who are nine points clear, as I as I understand it, at the top of the Supporters' Shield race. We're not talking about the Eastern Conference, the Supporters' Shield race. They're nine points ahead of the next best team in Major League Soccer. The Fire get a 2-2 draw. Okay, the Fire are eliminated for this season from postseason play. You were there at Gillette Stadium, the home of legends, where Tom Brady beat the New England Patriots a couple of weeks ago. What was your experience out there? How do you assess that performance? So first of all, you have to say the atmosphere was sensational. I mean, these New England Revolution fans, you know, I know that it's a ways off was the from, crowd? from Boston. The, it, 20, 25,000, maybe wow. even more. I mean, it was it was youth soccer night um, at Gillette Stadium. So there were a bunch of kids running around and, and heckling Tony and I and trying to, you know, distract us from doing our job. No, I'm just kidding. None of them were doing that. But it was it was a truly outstanding atmosphere. And listen, the fire have been officially eliminated from the postseason. You know, coming into tonight, that they're uh, coming into last night, I should say, their shots of making the postseason were were obviously long ones. 
But this is a real opportunity and a gut check. And I know that we continue to say that, but it's so true because there's so many young players on the roster. There's so many guys who are fighting for contracts, who are fighting for playing time next year, who are still fighting for playing time this year to try to show what they can do. And they go into the homes of the soon-to-be Supporter Shield champions-elect, and they displayed an amount of fight and an, and an amount of resolve that you would think was reserved for a team that was battling for their playoff lives. You would have no idea that the fire were basically out of playoff contention heading into that game. Frank Klopas decided to make a big switch, a, a defending situation that we haven't seen since June 23rd, since you were here, Arlo, a 1-0 mm. loss against FC Cincinnati. June 23rd yep. was the last time the that we saw... of the season. That was the low yes, point of the season. That I was think. the low point. And we hadn't seen it. So he goes back to a four-back. It was John Espinosa on the right, Johnny Bornstein at the left center back, Johan Kapilhoff at the right center back, and of course, Miguel Navarro at the left back position. Mauricio Pineda slides up into the six, a position that we had not seen him play in quite some time. And then from there is Federico Navarro and Alvaro Madron playing in a more advanced position. Nacho Aliceta, Robert Beric, and of course, Nacho Aliceta, or maybe it was Stanislav Ivanov on the other side. But this was a group that fought the entire game. You go down twice at the home of the best team in Major League Soccer, and you find two different ways to get back into the game. John Espinosa with by far his best delivery from out wide at the right-back position to find Alvaro Madron. That was the equalizer um, in the beginning, coming off of Wilfred Captoom's wonderful strike from about 20 yards out. And then late on in the game, you know they were, they were battling. They were trying to find their way back in. The game was becoming more stretched. And this is a fixture that's produced some really, really entertaining games so far. 13 goals have been scored over the course of three games between these two sides. And Nacho mm. Aliceta finds a little bit of breathing room. Brian Gutierrez just slides it over. It was basically a 3v3 with Chinoso 4 out on the left. Gutierrez just finds Aliceta. Dewan Jones opened up his legs just enough for Aliceta to be able to squeeze it through. And he was able to find the back of the net. Nothing Matt Turner could do. And it finished in a 2-2 draw. The, the atmosphere in the locker room afterwards was just so positive. Frank Klopas gave a great speech. And he was just talking about how he just wanted to bottle that feeling. You know, he's like, some people do drugs. Some people drink. Some people do whatever. But you just want to bottle this feeling up. Like, this is what we do. And if there was just a way to just sort of capture it in a, in a revolution brewing can, then, you know, he would be able to just sip on that for, for the rest of his life. But it, w- it was such a good performance. And, and... You know, New England has everything to play for. They're trying to become the best Major League Soccer regular season team in history. And the fire just continued to battle back. Even when the crowd was getting into it, 88th minute, it didn't matter. They they, they mm. found something else left in the tank. And, 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 and I hate to get sentimental here, but it really made me proud to be to be a part of the club. And it was just and it was just a reminder that this group is continuing to fight for the city. They're continuing to fight for the fans. They're fighting for themselves. And it was just such a good thing to see. And I hope that momentum carries over into FC Cincinnati going to TQL. I hope it carries all the way over into Real Salt Lake and fan appreciation night because you guys deserve that. You guys have stuck with this team. I know it's been a frustrating year. They're looking for the next, you know, the next coach to lead them into a new era. And, and I'm just so proud to be a part of this club. And they put on just a, a Warriors performance in one of the toughest places to play in Major League Soccer. Mm. And, and it was it was a pleasure to watch. Fantastic. Beautifully summed up there, Tyler. Um, you've got to stick around. If you like it in Chicago and you want to play for the fire and you believe in the new crest and you want to play at Soldier Field, put in performances between now and the end of the season. And there is, you know, it's been tough. I believe in this this group of lads, and I know that it's going to be added to. There's going to be a new coach. It's going to be a different, a fundamentally different scenario next mm-hmm. season. But there are some key players there 
that I think will form the heart and the and the backbone of the Chicago Fire next season. Yeah, but a lot of some it great- will, will be based on what happens when no one's looking over the next few days. I don't mean no one's looking like no, you know, people are looking clearly, but there's nothing to play for. This is the biggest test for them this season to put in performances when there's nothing to play for because you're playing for your future. So quickly, Arlo, before we uh, before we sign off for this legendary SNP that has seen, you know... Lots uh, going on, Tyler. Lots So going much on. going on. Wow. I just... It's it started with a with a glass of Sauvignon Blanc knocking over. Yeah. It started with A Dub getting knocked down a peg, and and Chelsea, you know, barely surviving the mighty Brentford, and and Liverpool being deemed the front runners by none other than myself. But you know, yeah. that's just simply the way. I that think A Dub's doing a rope a dope himself, by the way. You know, he's, he is. He's he's he's, he's, he's cool. He's he waiting knows. for his moments. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's waiting for his moment. But I do want to get to some questions from some fans. And <laughs> this one in particular really got me. And, and, and we talked about, you know, which ones we were going to get to. But but this one we have to address. So it's from Tom from Boston. Hi, Tyler and Arlo. Love the podcast. As someone who is a new soccer fan, or should I start saying football now, I began watching the Premier League this year and decided to follow Leeds United. It's mm. been a rough start to the season, and I finally got to enjoy my first win last weekend. This was a couple weeks ago. Is the organization going in the right direction and have a chance of being competitive in the near future? Even in the games against the bottom half of the league, they didn't look very competitive. As a diehard Jets fan, I'm not sure I can handle more disappointment. <laughs> Tom, I feel you, my man. I feel you. Tom, Please tell so- me I Hold on. Well, he's, he's got more. Please Go tell me I didn't choose the wrong club and I should be excited for the future. Also, all these tournaments are very confusing. I'm trying to keep up when people start talking about Champions League, Euro Cup, and FA Cup, but it's overwhelming. Tom from Boston. Tom, I love this. Um, by the <laughs> way, uh, the Jets, I think, played again in London today. I don't even know the score. I've been no, in, in no, a car on the week. way back. We had a bye week. No, oh, the Jets had a bye week. So the yeah, Jets did not lose this week. Yeah, we played the game in London. We lost. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Fantastic. We didn't lose. So we Jets didn't lose. We were unbeaten yeah. this week. Tom, what a great... I mean, that's a great message. I mean, you have a reason at some point why you why you follow Leeds United. I stick with it, my man. Because, look, Leeds, they're a big city. They had a fantastic return to the Premier League last season after 16 years. They played exhilarating football and and the start of this season has been a struggle. But they've got players coming back. Calvin Phillips is massive. Uh, um, uh, Patrick Bamford is absolutely huge. Rafinha is amazing. Uh, Leeds will not be relegated, Tom, this year. Don't don't worry. They will not <laughs> be as bad as the New York Jets. In fact, they won't hey, be in the stratosphere hey, hey, hey. of how bad the Jets are. They're going to be much better than that. I confidently predict they will be lower mid-table. I think you've made a good choice, A good choice, Tom. Stick with it. Who's, who gave you Who gave you the right to just talk about the Jets like that, being a Bears fan? Well, who, what, like... Well, am I? Come well, on, sorry, sorry. Am I? You're not the only saying you're not that, saying anything. No, you're not saying anything wrong. I'm just. It just hurts to hear you say something like that. You as know, a Bears I mean, fan. How many Super Bowls have you won since Joe Namath? You know, I mean, none. Good zero. Me. Zero. Have you been to a Super Bowl since? Right. Okay. No, we've been to a um, couple of AFC Championships with a quarterback by the name of Mark Sanchez. Yes, and he got yeah. the ball trapped in his bum, didn't he? At one point. <laughs> no, this is not part of the. This is not part of the, Didn't he? Didn't he? I mean, you know, fair play. This has you to know. stay in AW. You're keeping this. That is not what happened. That is not what happened. That is not what the butt fumble means. The butt fumble. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, great. Yeah, the Jets are fantastic. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, please, please be good to me on that, on that, on that. Oh, edit. Um, so I've got a tweet here, Tyler, from uh, Richmond Till We Die, which is a Twitter mm. account. Um, uh, apparently, it's a podcast that um, that's all about the Ted Lasso series, which I'm not familiar with. Um, maybe I should catch no, up. Take on a it listen, yeah. No, I don't think I've seen it. Um, and the, the the question is, after after Chelsea, which London club will be highest in the Premier League table on Boxing Day? Firstly, Richmond till we die, I think it might be optimistic, based on what happened yesterday at Brentford, um, that Chelsea will be the highest placed London club on Boxing Day. That's traditionally the halfway point in the season. But let's yeah. let's suspend reality and say that Chelsea are. Uh, the the highest placed London club. I think they'll be third on Boxing Day. Who will be the highest placed London club after that? It's so difficult. It could be mm. West Ham. They are flying. Brentford are flying. Tottenham Hotspur, Tyler, have had a remarkably turbulent start to the season. They somehow, today, somehow they're yeah they're level on points with fourth place. So this is a really, really good question. Arsenal are doing okay at the moment. This is a tremendous yes. question. My guess at this point, at this point, would be West Ham United. Wow. That's more of a that's like a dark horse slide. That's like me saying Edison Cavani is going to win the golden boot. That's that's sort of where you're coming in with that. But I don't know. I would, you know, West Ham's on 14. Nah. I'm going to go Brentford. I'm going to go Brentford. Go Brentford. Go the Bees. Go, Brentford. go the Bees. I mean, well, they, they, made a, they, they made a meal out of Chelsea. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Still three points for the Bees, I guess. Can't we? Well, there we go. That was a Sunday night pod. It's been a lot of fun. It's been an extraordinarily busy weekend. Tyler, you've been to Boston and back. I've been to London and back and Newcastle and back. I love Sunday night pods. I hope people at home do too. Um, Please keep listening. Raters, you know, do what you have to do for podcasts because we love doing them. If you enjoy listening to them, then let us know and support us. Next weekend, I've got Friday night for the BBC on the radio, Arsenal Villa. Then I've got Brighton Man City on Saturday and then Man United Liverpool on Sunday. My job sucks. It's almost like coal mining. It's absolutely almost like awful, just but I'll better. do it for the people at home. You're a man of the people. You're a man of your word. Um, for all of you in the Chicagoland area who are going to be, maybe maybe you're not from Chicago and you're going to be in Chicago on the weekend of October 23rd, you also can be a part of this effort. Like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. But if you are going to the game against Real Salt Lake or you want to go to the game, you want to go for free, we're giving away eight tickets. We're going to have four different winners screenshot yourself following, liking, subscribing, however you get your podcast, whatever it looks like on your phone or your computer or whatever. Just give a little screenshot, post it on Twitter underneath the Chicago Fire FC tweet with this episode, or you can send it to our email, ifs at chicagofirefc.com, and you can enter for a chance to win the U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, Tony Miola. You can watch a game pitch side on the barstool seats, and maybe we can even fly Adub out, and he can sort of, you know, maybe bring some drinks around, you know, some vodka lemonade, whatever he's got going on. I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> Love but. both of you. Can't wait to speak to you again. Let's do this again later in the week. 